Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dexter Day's message comes from the New Testament of Revelation, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to begin by asking you a question, and that is, how often do you look in the mirror? Are you uh, one of those people that, uh, you know, as, as you, you pass by a mirror, you always have to look at it? Check yourself out, right? Make sure your hair is all proper. Check your profile, make sure you look good. Or are you somebody who avoids the mirror completely, right? You walk by a mirror, you don't even want to look at it. You don't want to know what face is staring back at you. Today I want you to think about taking a look in a mirror and consider the question of who do you look like? Do you look like your mom? Do you look like your dad? Do you look like one of your grandparents? Do you look like one of your great-grandparents? Or maybe sometimes it's just a part of somebody, you know, that you resemble in your family. Maybe like your eyes or your hairline. Maybe it's your nose or your dimples or your chin right, or your cheekbones. Or maybe you got, you know, a little bit of everybody in some form or manner. You are made up of different parts of everybody in your family. Part of who you resemble tells a little bit about where you come from and who you come from. And where and who you come from tells a story. It tells a story about your history, about your family that goes back from generations. There is a story to be told about your family history. And maybe that story has to do with you or your parents or your grandparents fleeing from the home you were raised in coming to a land where you didn't speak the language. Maybe your story is about family sacrificing everything to give you or your parents or your grandparents the best possible life. Maybe you don't even know the story of where you come from or who your parents or your grandparents or great-grandparents are because you're adopted, because you're an orphan, or because those who could tell you all this information are no longer around. Maybe you don't know the story of where you come from because you've never asked, and your family doesn't really talk all that much about it. Some of you know the story of your life. You know your story history of your whole family. Anyone out there like to make their family tree and put it all together with all the names and all that? Anyone? Well, there are some of you like that. 
there are some of you that know none of that family history at all. And so, the story of your life and the family that you do know is a story that you are currently writing as you live out your life now. And as you look in that mirror, as you think about all of that today, and where you fit in, there's another story about your life and about your family and where you come from that connects us all together. And this is a story that will never be forgotten because the words that are written in this story will last forever. Words that will never disappear from the conversation. A story that goes back for generations and generations. A story that isn't much about you, but a story that is part of our history because of you. It's a story about God and what he has done for us and continues to do for us. And it's a story that we talk about, especially on a day like today. Today is All Saints Sunday. It's a Sunday that happens every year. It's the Sunday that happens after Reformation Sunday. All Saints Day follows Reformation Day. Reformation Day is celebrated on October 31st. All Saints Day is celebrated on November 1st. But we celebrate them on consecutive Sundays because they are important to our story. Now, the dictionary has a few definitions for saint. So I naturally picked the ones that apply to us. And this is what you see. Any of certain persons of exceptional holiness of life formerly recognized as such by the Christian church. In certain religious groups, a designation applied by the members to themselves. We recognize those that we call saints, not because they are perfect, but because they have gone before us in the faith. And because of their faith, they are now living for eternity with God in heaven. And as we celebrate the saints who have gone before us at peace, we see them. They're pictures. And maybe we see ourselves in those pictures because they are our family members. And as we see their pictures, we are reminded of the stories about them, reminded of the conversations we had with them, reminded of the life we lived with them, reminded of family dinners and meals shared together. We're reminded of their life, and we're reminded of their death and reminded of eternal life that has been gifted to them by faith in Jesus Christ. But becoming a saint is not something that we do on our own. In fact, it's not even something that we do. It's all what God has done for us. And that is part of our story, part of our family history, which takes us all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. 
They were created in a perfect world. They were perfect. They would be considered saints because they were created in the image and likeness of God, holy and perfect. And then they ruined it all by eating the fruit that God told them not to eat. And as a result of their sin, they were no longer holy and perfect. They were no longer saints. They were sinners. Sinners deserving death. And that's what they brought into the world. Sin and death. And from that day, we are all born into sin. Because that original sin has been passed down from generation to generation. And that is part of our story. And it's the reason that we don't deserve to be saints. We don't deserve to be called holy. We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve to go to heaven. In the month of October, we talked a lot about time, talents, and treasures. In our sin, we use our time, talents, and treasures selfishly. We live our lives the way we want to live them. We place all kinds of things as more important than God. Work, family, friends, money, or the acquisition of money, stuff, sports. And this is where most of our time, talents, and treasures are used in these things. Not that all of these things are bad in and of themselves, but they should never be the number one thing in our life. God should be number one. But ever since Adam and Eve sinned, we have been tempted with placing everything else over and above God. Making these things a higher priority than him. Putting ourselves in the place of God and deciding what is best for our own lives. Even if God says it's not the best thing for our lives. But we think we know better than God. In fact, we think we know everything. On a day when we think about all the saints who have gone before us, sometimes we ask ourselves, what will heaven be like? But we don't deserve heaven. What we deserve is physical death, yes, because of our sin. But we deserve eternal death. We deserve hell, not heaven. Not eternal life. Heaven is outside of our grasp. It is outside of our reach because as sinners, the last thing that we deserve is to spend forever in heaven. And that's why our story, the most important story that is part of our history, isn't so much about you, but because of you and me. The most important story there is, is the story of Jesus Christ. It's a story of God becoming man, taking on our flesh, being born of the Virgin Mary, born perfect in every way, born fully man and fully God. And he came to this earth because of you and because of me, because of our sin. Because we deserve nothing 
but punishment, condemnation, death, and hell. And because God does not want that for us, he had to come and save us because it was the only way. It was the only way to bring us the forgiveness of our sins. It was the only way to make heaven possible for us. It was the only way for us to be called saints. And it cost Jesus everything because it cost him his life. A life that he willingly, voluntarily laid down for us on our behalf. A life that meant he would take our punishment and condemnation and death and hell. He took our sin in order to make us saints. Jesus died to give us life. And it is faith that has been gifted to us by the Holy Spirit that believes these things to be true. That Jesus took hell to give us heaven. And it is in his resurrection from the dead that he proves that we do have the forgiveness of our sins, that we do belong to him. And that we too shall rise again. That we do have eternal life in him. And that we are saints because of him. We are, are saints present tense. Yes, those who have gone before us in the faith, who are now enjoying the full life of heaven, are saints. But we also, by faith, are declared saints. A designation applied to you by God. Even that is sometimes hard, though, because we are living eternal life now as saints but we're not yet in heaven. Which is why we sometimes ask a question like, what will heaven be like? And for a glimpse of that, we get to the New Testament reading of Revelation. We hear these words. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. A group from all nations, so large you can't count them, standing before the Lamb, and that Lamb is Jesus, clothed in white robes. And who are those clothed in white robes? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's those who have come from all nations and from all time made it through every trial and tribulation and been found faithful because they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Though their sins are like scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. Though they are full of sin and death, they have been washed clean in the blood of Christ. And what are they doing? Crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. They're singing praises to God, and they bow down and worship Him, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving 
and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. We will be in the presence of God, worshiping him and serving him. And even more, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. The old way of things has passed away. So there is no more hunger, no more thirst, no more pain, no more suffering, no more mourning, and no more death. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Someone once asked the question of what heaven will be like, followed up by, well, won't it be pretty boring? I mean, especially because when you read something like this, it just seems like you're doing the same thing day in and day out. When we tell stories to people, we want them to be engaged, which means we need to keep their interest. And things that are exciting are things that keep people's interests better than things that are boring. This isn't a boring story. And this story just isn't any story. This story is history. And this story is his story. It's the story of our family being rescued from sin, death, and the devil being redeemed with the blood of Christ, going from sinners to saints. And so now, when God looks at us in the mirror, he doesn't see the nose of our father, the eyes of our mother, the chin of our grandfather, the dimples of our grandmother. He sees his child, and he sees his son. Because when he looks at us, he doesn't see all of our flaws and our failures and our sins. He sees Jesus. He sees us through the cross. And when God sees us, he sees the story of whose we are. His dearly loved, redeemed children that he bled and died for, that he rose from the dead for, that he called by name in baptism, that he forgives daily in confession, that he feeds his body and blood to in his supper. And God knows where we came from because he formed us in the womb. He knit us together. He fearfully and wonderfully made us. And we come from our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. We're all connected as one family because of God, our creator. And we're all united as one family, as brothers and sisters in Christ because of our faith. 
And because of that faith, we will all join together in heaven to sing praises to God for all eternity with all the saints who have gone before us and with all the saints who will come after us once we are no longer here. And no, it won't be boring. It will be the most amazing, the most perfect thing because of the Lamb who is at the center of his throne, who is our shepherd, who leads us to springs of living water that never run dry, who promises that there is no more hunger, no more thirst, no more pain, no more suffering, and no more death. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.